I'm solo at the moment. Welcome to First Frames First, episode 87. Um, we're, we have a very special guest today, uh, a local Kitchener-Waterloo uh, artist extraordinaire, playwright, actor, a director, um, and uh, his name is Gary Kirkham, and we're gonna we're gonna join with him in just a moment. He's gonna tell us all about himself and and um, kind of what he's doing in the KW region, um, and uh, and we're really we're gonna talk about the art scene a little bit today, um, which we're pretty excited to do. Um, Adrian, uh, who knows where that guy is? Uh, he's late today, so we're getting started, and um, whenever he pops in, we're gonna add him. He's probably going to apologize a few times, and then and then we're going to continue on. Um, so, without further ado, we're gonna we're gonna get the the ball rolling today, um, and uh, we'll welcome Gary in just a moment. Hey guys, I'm Adrian, and I'm Jay. We run Fable Forest Films. Right now, we're totally independent. Well, what's the dream? Making crazy awesome film and television for the biggest studios. This podcast is our journey. There we go, and hey. we are live. <laughs> Hi, Gary. Thanks for joining us. Um, so, uh, Gary, what I what I'd like to do is um, first, I think we should just uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself. But what I really want to do is kind of go way back because you've been you've been an artist for some time, and you know, l- like looking through the sheer volume of types of things that you've gotten involved with over the years. Sure you feel like uh, a true artist you know oh. some people uh some people are you know um you know musicians some people are actors some people make films uh but you you seem to taste everything and you're like a, a renaissance man which which i think is so great um whoop. Am I, am I on mute? Can you hear me? No, I can still hear you. Oh, sweet. I, I pressed the button by accident. Um, I'll just tell, just for, for the audience, I'll tell uh, a story about, um, I think, I'm pretty sure when I, when I met you for the first time, um, if I can remember correctly, um, when uh, there was a time in my life where I was trying to help uh, other people um, with their film projects. And uh, so, you know, there was like, uh, there wasn't the the same amount, I don't think, of uh, Kitchener, Waterloo um, artists and film people working together as much as there are t- these days. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, so, you know, the, the Facebook groups and the, and the local ads and things like that have grown but back in the day i would even just see people looking for help on kijiji and and like uh you know um uh those types of online classified type type things and uh at at one point there was a group uh of filmmakers uh called the 12 angry filmmakers this was duncan finnegan um lyndon horsfeld and others many others um and um and they started this Facebook group uh, to say, like, let's all get together as filmmakers in the Kitchener-Waterloo area, and we're going to make a series of twelve films uh, over the course of a period of time, and then we're going to we're going to showcase them all together and bring everybody in, and we're going to we're going to have like a, a film night. And um, and I helped Duncan on one of his, um, which I, I can't remember what the name of it was, other than I had to run a lot, and it was very difficult for me as a 
as a fatter man. And, um, and but but when is we all van? is that the one in the van? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right. yeah that's I had right. to I had to jump out the van and run down the street and climb three sets of stairs and then quietly wait at the top of the stairs while all the action happened. Right multiple times so that, right. that, that was, was a one take that was a one taker too wasn't it? that was a one taker yeah it was pretty cool and cool. and so it was it, it really gave me a chance to meet a bunch of the people right. uh, in the area but what i really liked was um we all sat down and to watch all of the films and mm. if i remember correctly you had uh, a short that you Directed? Did you write it as well? I, yeah, wrote, directed and acted. Yeah, I directed, wrote, act, edited. Exactly. <laughs> and, and and so and and when I watched it, I was like, "This is uh, like the pinnacle of indie local indie filmmaking." I, if I remember correctly, I, we saw some men's butts. Yes, uh, it was it was intense, and this was a, about a I want to say like five to ten minutes short it was it was yeah. great it, it was yeah. a lot of fun Thanks. um so starring maybe Abu uh, Badia, starring Badia Abu Chakra, my partner of crime in that movie who's yes. a super famous uh, uh actor in uh in Lebanon and he won Dancing with the Stars in Lebanon so no. <laughs> he's that he's this really amazing b-level actor <laughs> this is this is amazing it's, so is Gas Van Saints huge in yeah. Lebanon is that what yes you're it is it is it's huge in Lebanon <laughs> this is so great. So border with his face, his face got us over a border that we couldn't get over normally. We were going from, yeah, uh, I'll tell you that story later. But, uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, well, all I was going to say was that uh, it, it, I, I think we, we all sat down, I if I remember it was the, I think that was the princess. Uh, yes, it was. Princess, yeah, it was yeah. the princess. Um, and uh, and as you do with with local indie film stuff, uh, everybody who makes something, they get up and they talk and they introduce their people and they have a little chat and and i think this was where i met you for the first time and okay, yeah. uh and got to hear you speak and got to hear uh, you know you tell your story about about creating things and stuff like that yeah. so um so that was a lot of fun um yeah. uh, now can, what i'd love to hear is can you now I, I, you know let, why don't we just step it back a little bit and start to tell me like when did you want to get into film and was that really your kind of first foray into the arts, or did you start much younger in a different if, in different yeah. mediums? I started uh, when I was eighteen, uh, so forty years ago. Um, um, doing uh, I didn't I didn't want to I didn't want to ask your age. I mean, that's exactly. it seems so, it seems yeah, so rude. Eighteen, uh, forty years ago to 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 the month I started my theater career. Yes. And where, uh, did you, where did you start your theater career? Okay, this is a funny story because uh, I grew up as, in a conservative Christian family. And so the arts were kind of taboo. You know, like everything is to save, get people saved. And, you know, dancing is evil, you know. Uh, dancing is evil because it leads, you know, because uh, it leads, you know. Uh, sex is, and premarital sex is really bad because it leads to dancing. So, <laughs> Don't, uh, yeah. Yeah. Stay away so, from stay away from that. the next because we don't yeah. want people dancing. Yeah. That's no, 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 exactly, exactly. And so, uh, I, I, as an eighteen-year-old, I joined this missionary organization that had a, an arts wing to it, and they were all it was fundamentalists. So we had a bunch of people who were artists, and he um, did, and uh, they they uh, they joined this missionary organization, and they were like some of them were like serious artists, like there was this dancer from New York and this. French dancer and like really, really talented people. And so we were all like, oh, and uh, 
we're all kind of these uh, artistic refugees in this Christian world. And within a really short period of time, maybe a year of being there, I, I loved art more than Jesus. <laughs> and it was like, okay. Next thing, next thing you knew, you were dancing. I was dancing. I was going to gay bars, hanging out with my gay friends. And it was like, yeah, and I was there. Um, yeah, so, um, so uh, yeah, it was the... Um, it was that that was the beginning of it and uh, uh and i have not changed that, that similar kind of thing where i was there uh wanting to use art to you know get the lost <laughs> save the lost and but now i'm still doing art but i really want to ask questions and and uh, kind of make the world a better place as an atheist you know like you yeah. know but it's the same for me it's the same kind of drive and almost like a calling you know you feel like this is this is the only thing i can really do well, I want, let's. I we'll go back to the beginning, but yeah. but the most recent thing that that I watched of yours, I and we'll we'll try to maybe you can entice us uh, and and tell us some secrets about what you okay. might be working on next. And no 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 crazy details, but but um, the latest art installation that I watched of yours was um pretty crazy. Um, okay. you know I didn't. Sometimes someone says, this is what I'm doing. Right. Um, and uh, you say, okay, that's cool. That seems very strange and I probably won't like it. Right. Uh, but I'm going to watch it anyways because right. this is the arts community here in town right. and, and this, this is what we have to do. Um, but you, you had some struggles uh, and we can talk about that in a second. But you created... Um, uh, art with sand and a, okay, and, yeah. and, and a pendulum that yes. would, would swing back and forth and create this uh, pretty awesome um, uh, sculpture. Right. Uh, and and uh, in the background, you had musical performers and, and, uh, and you ended up having to do it live yes. kind of from your, your, your living room, right. uh, if I remember correctly, yeah. on, on video. What was the original plan? And can you tell us a little bit about this? installation yeah so uh it's called it's the sand pendulum and um it's basically uh, a string with a large vessel with sand slowly pouring out and it creates uh, sort of like a spirograph or if you remember spirograph back in the day uh and it creates this very complex sh shape and um but i had uh, you could have a single pendulum but i had a double pendulum so I, a little v that was just a few inches long and then a longer one and uh, so this one would move this way and the longer one would move this way and uh there would be the cycle, the ratio between this small one and the long one, uh, creates a Lissajou pattern, which is uh, Lissajou pattern. Sometimes you see uh, like those squiggly lines of uh, two uh, frequencies hitting each other and you get this Lissajou pattern. You use it for electronics. Anyways, it's, it's, it turns up in nature. It, it happens with waves coming across each other and you have ripple effects. Anyways, it's that pattern. And the pattern repeats itself every two minutes. So it takes two minutes for this thing to create the shape and then repeats it itself again and again. It gets smaller, smaller, smaller. It's really kind of hypnotically beautiful. And uh, so if you Google it, just go uh, sand pendulum and you'll see the extraordinary things. But if you watch them, theirs lasts for about 30 seconds to a minute. And right. mine, uh, the one you saw last 15 minutes, but the one we were gonna do, which was gonna be in a large theater, was gonna last an hour long. So I figured out a way of making it last like you know, 60 times longer than everybody else. So, um, yeah. And what the way I do it is because uh, the sand creates this pattern, and after a while, this the whole thing is covered sand. It does a layer on top, another layer, and you know if you have sand layer on top, you can't really see much. 
And so I, I first did that in my basement and I thought, oh, that's cool. And they kept on going and I was watching, but you could barely see the pattern anymore. And then I just, uh, I went out of my basement and I opened the door and shut the light off, but I had a little floor light and it had a shine of light. The right. floor light had a shine light and I could see the pattern. I realized, oh my God, there's this really complex pattern that you can only see in relief. So then I have some theater lights, I put them on the ground and I, I realized I could see a very, very complex shaper over the years, forever. As long as the sand was laying on it, and I had a sideline on it. I could see this thing going forever. And yeah. then I, uh, I got obsessed with it. And I would just watch it for like, <laughs> like sit, I sit in my basement going, this has got to be something. And I watched it for like 20 minutes. And I thought, this is cool. And I videotaped it, showed some friends. And they said, I just kind of watched that. And I went, okay. And then I have two friends who are opera singers, uh, who are theater uh, actors and opera singers. Right. Said, Why don't you create this whole thing? So our original thing was going to be, I was going to put the sand pendulum at the Idea Exchange in Cambridge. We have a 25-foot high auditorium, so it would be an hour long. I built this. I went to the blacksmith shop with the two smiths and worked with them building this large pendulum that was a holds like you know, 30 pounds worth of sand. And, right. Uh, gonna, and that one was going to be like we were going to do an hour, hour long, but it would it would eventually that same thing. That's it would last about uh, four hours. Uh, I will say that uh, in the midst of your uh, now, how long was the one that we watched? Fifteen minutes. Just fifteen minutes. Just fifteen yeah. minutes because it was a seven, uh, uh, eight fit in my bay, in my living room. So, I will say at one point I I watched it with my mom and my wife, right. and um, at one point we we actually uh, muted your video, right? And we played some uh, piano music in the background as well, and yeah. I tell you, just lovely. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, like you said, kind of hypnotic to watch. Uh, and, uh, you know, now is yours on? Can people go and watch it at this point? Yeah, yeah it's, it's online at the Idea Exchange. If you go, okay. my name, Gary Kirkham, Sand Pendulum at the Idea Exchange, they have something. Um, and, uh, you know, I can, I'll send you a link and then you can. I, I'd like to share it because I, I'd like people yeah. to see kind of what it is. And, and then yeah. and they can they can even yeah. put their own music that they enjoy behind it. And. And yeah. uh, it's pretty great. And, and so the two singers were improvising actually, so they improvised singing and improvising that whole thing. And which yeah. is my background, I came from improvisation as a theater, but I, I create with the empty space uh, theater company I work with. We uh, do creation from improvisation, and we write, we write the place, but we create in improvisation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's sort of my my major skill set is probably an improviser. Mm -hmm. We. Um... We've had our first foray into attempting improvisation, and let me tell you, there's nothing easy uh, about it. So people, <laughs> people with this skill are, are, uh, you know, it's it's something completely different than just being a screen actor or being right. a, a, a a stage actor. Um, right. You know, being able to improvise as well is is a whole another tool in your tool chest. Right. Um, so and now again, again no, for me, yeah, I tell you, for me, it's the easiest thing in the world. You say, I want you to improvise uh, a movie. For example, she says, hire me a movie. We're gonna, uh, you're gonna come and we're gonna improvise a movie. Like, uh, I said, sure, we'll, go, let, we'll have like two weeks of working and we'll improvise a movie. I go, yeah, sure. <laughs> that would be like way easier. I would, figure, I would know that it would work. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was built that way. Like I could improvise uh, from a very young age. And it was like, simply, I, when I first did my first improv gig, um, I, did, I took a class and then I said, oh, we're gonna do a paid gig like this. And so, um, this is like you know, 30 years ago, whatever. And so they paid us like 150 bucks for like half an hour's worth of work. And it was literally okay. the most I've ever made for an hour. Like like 150 bucks for, it was like, 
I was paying to do this at a class <laughs> two weeks ago, and you're right. saying $150. And I go, I cannot believe you're paying me $150. I'm going in front of the audience. They're cheering. They're laughing. And the people are holding the guts. And somebody said, you know, I haven't lasted this hard in 20 years. You know? And I go, I'm fucking meet this person today, and you're paying me $150. Bucks. Like, it doesn't get better than that. you know. Now, as an artist, you took that $150. Bucks. Uh, now, did you eat or did you? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, I was gonna say I, I was gonna say you poured it back into your art, but that's fine. Too. I did. I did pour it. I would always pour it back in my art. That was all I did. Seriously, I don't. I don't do anything. I. I don't. I just everything is about my art. Seriously, it is. It is. Like, you, you. You definitely get that impression for sure. Yeah, so, yeah. so jump me back a little bit. A, a little bit again, and and right. you know, kind of. How how did you know? So you're 18. You're you're yeah. you're you're getting involved with this group kind of when did you know you were going to start to try to uh you know create more and more and, and uh yeah. you know apply these you know things and what were some of the next things that you kind of got yeah. into i i actually i i did this organization for about a year and a half and then i went back to hamilton got a kind of a day job of sort you know uh, i hadn't figured out what i was going to do so i thought oh, i started working in a video store like like every other <laughs> filmmaker, artist, kind of. Oh my person. god! Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, and that was it. And this is really early days of. We were like the third video store in Hamilton. Uh, yeah, and uh, so you know, nobody like I. I would go to a party and I bring because like, I get the. I couldn't afford a video uh, machine because they were like six hundred fifty bucks back then. Yeah, thousand dollars yeah. back then, and back then, like you buy a car for four thousand, and it's just like so. It was like equivalent of five thousand bucks for. <laughs> yeah. So I said, yeah, I'm, I remember. And so I bring this stuff, and then and then I put the video. We all like I took it up to their television, and we'd have a party, and we'd watch a movie. And it was like, wow, it's like the most exciting party ever. We get to watch a movie, uh, and um, and then I just started like going crazy about movies. And then, um, anyways, in the middle of that, there was a uh, Mohawk College had a um, course called uh, Theater Production and Performance. And because of who I am, I went production. Yeah, I think I want to do like production stuff, like lighting and stuff. Because I thought, yeah, I want to do the tech side because I'm kind of geeky. And uh, and then I got there and I found out there's performance. I go, oh, shit, I'm not really a performer, you know. I mean, I did this one thing for performing, but that was like movement without talking. And it, right. it was all we were doing this kind of physical theater stuff. And I got, yeah, I can move, I can do mine, but I can't talk. Yeah, me. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> how how little did I not know myself? <laughs> anyways, um, and so the first thing was improv, and there's this class about improv, and uh, teacher sat down and said, um, "Let's do some improv." And he said, um, "What's this is really weird." Uh, they said the first thing was like gibberish. Let's do gibberish. I seen no gibberish, and you make up a language. Mm. And uh, so I, I was like, "Okay, sounds good." So I was coming up there, and I was going. So I did this thing, and uh, it was just like the easiest thing I'd ever done in my life. And then people said, in, the teacher said, no, 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 Gary, you need this like gibberish, not a real language. I go, no, that, that was, that was like, no idea. That wasn't a real language, thank that you. That was like language. And uh, he said, wow. And then he was like, A plus. A plus, yeah, plus. Thank you, and, thank you for your money. You're paying me, by the way. So as I drive home, that like uh, to backstory, but uh, I, I just become a mission. I still a missionary. I was still like this Christian, but I was trying to figure out my Christianity. And in our sect of Christianity, like we were charismatic, we speak in tongues. You like you know, like yeah, some other, some other yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so so in our group, we would all like 
Everybody would go, and they would just go, like this. And I go, you know, that was my time. So go, like everybody else is doing this, and I was doing like whatever it was. Listen, they're not supposed to be looking over at you. I believe that they're supposed to be full of the Holy Spirit. They said, they would go, I was listening to the Holy Spirit in you, Gary, and it seems like it was it Italian. Seems, yeah, <laughs> it seems European. Was, I don't... Yeah, yeah. So the Holy Spirit was probably having a pray about Italy. We you should look in, like, they, they, yeah, it was, yeah. That's Anyways, wonderful. and so, and, uh, but that, so I'm going, I'm going to drive home, and I go, like, like probably that. I probably said, fuck, fuck, that was a... The speaking in tongues, it was the same part of the brain that I've been speaking in tongues with. I was improvising with. Wow. And um, I went, oh, wow. Like, it was like, <laughs> I've been, <laughs> I, I was I, I, driving home and the whole time I was thinking I was speaking tongues, I was just speaking gibberish. <laughs> but um, so what happens is, like, I'll, I'll go back to the speaking tongues thing. So to speak in tongues, you, 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 the idea is you fight yourself and there's this voice inside you that's never spoken and you just let it come out of you. So you're not thinking, you're not thinking, you're not doing it, you just, and people go, nah, bah, 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 bah. You know, and you kind of get in this trance thing and speak in tongues. And so I go to the theater class and they go, okay, now just, just quiet yourself, don't think of thing, and just move, like they were just asking you to move without thinking. And I'm going, I've been doing that for the last 10 years, speaking tongues. I've been trying to get out of the way and having this experience. Yeah. Anyway, so I kind of realized that I've been, without knowing it, uh, I've been, You've been preparing in, yourself for yourself to be improvisation, to not think, to just kind of come out of it and not judge it, and not it. and uh, and so it, it was it, it was sort of the, this. I started running like I, I came to class and I was already already running, and um, and then I realized it was literally I I couldn't believe that people found this thing hard. Like literally, come how, how, you just say whatever you think. <laughs> you listen to what they say. You say yeah. I in real life. I I. We're having a conversation now. It's not hard to have a conversation now. Now yeah, I get, yeah, yeah. we're now on the moon, and uh, and you're a Veltor. Uh, that's just as easy. And um, and I don't. I wouldn't question that any more than I question myself now, hmm. like that. Hmm. So it's that same level of I believe I'm. I believe I'm Gary. <laughs> I believe I believe you're Jay. So you know, it's like, yeah, you're, yeah, you're not. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I have to go with it. Um, so that's that. That came uh, and it just sort of took off from there. And um, and then uh, when I started doing theater, um, we did create, uh, creation, th like cre creating new work. A lot yeah. of people come out of improvisation. So you come in the rehearsal hall, and then you found an actor who can improvise. Would be really good. Even if you have a script, you still kind of have an improvise. You have to go try right. this, try this, try this. And a lot of actors would have the script and then just do the same thing every time. And the good actors would go, okay, try this. And you go, can you do it this way? And you give a whole different thing. Like good actors, mm -hmm. you give them a note and they do this. You give them a note, they do this. They, you know, and you just, you can then, they give you I think, different things. I think one thing too that, uh, you know, in my very limited experience is yeah. that a, a really great actor, not only can they um, play in yeah. the space that you've given them, but then also when you lock into what you're happy with, they can repeat that every yeah. single time, yeah. right? So, and and that that's that's sometimes key, you know. I think, yeah. um, you know, working working in the the films, you know, if a if a person can not only uh, repeat the lines that they've they just know them, they are right. that person, but then they can also have the 
um, wherewithal, the ability to actually repeat actions every time exactly yeah. the same way. This yeah. the slight arm movements. The yeah. th this helps with the edit like oh. just so much, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. How how now did the one thing that I that pops up for me frequently um, is uh, you, now you wrote a play called Falling, right? Falling awake, yeah. Falling awake. Can, is that would you say that that's one of the more famous plays that you've been involved yeah. with? Yeah, that's probably my, uh, this is what plays probably done the most, I guess, or that, uh, the most professionally. Uh, Kareem Millie of Galt, my first play has been done a lot, but it's a lot of amateur companies. But Falling Awake has been done, like it's been done around the world. I mean, it's uh, across yeah. America, Canada. It was translated into, uh, into um, Italian and done in Rome. It was done in uh, in Belgium, French. Uh, it's just been translated to Arabic right now. And, wow! Uh, yeah. So, what is that? What is that experience like? Um, yeah. You feel now? Did you did you play it as well? Uh, no, I, no, no. I was always you I just wrote, wrote and just wrote and directed, wrote and directed, and and then at what point? What does it feel like when your work gets taken? in a different, like by a different group of people right. in a different place. What does that feel like? What's that like? Most of the time, most of the time, pretty, yeah. Most of the time, pretty, yeah. Fabulous. Good. Really fabulous. Amazing. Every so often, soul destroying. <laughs> like they go, what the f And ah. it's Miss McGillicuddy's fifth grade class. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's, yeah. No, no. This is like professional actors, like just, just taking on a whole different, like, wow. Yeah. Oh, what, what have you done to this? You know, really quite, quite far away from it. Most tell of the time. Us, just what, tell us what, what it's about just quickly. Okay. Just so, uh, so Falling Wake uh, is based on a story or inspired by a true story, um, uh, a personal story. Uh, the, the Lockerbie cry, there was a Lockerbie bombing in Scotland, which is in 19, uh, gosh, 88, I think it was. And uh, that was uh, one of the big, big, uh, it was uh, Air India was the largest. This was the second largest uh, bombing of all time. Two hundred seventy people were killed uh, over Lockerbie, Scotland. And the Canadian on board was my childhood best friend, who I, yeah, he was coming home actually. He was flying. He was an actor working in London, and we hung out in London together, England. And then he was coming back here to Canada. It was Christmas time with his fiance, uh, which which was his actually at the time, his girlfriend, and they were announcing they were, they were coming home to uh, introduce him, us to his fiance. Wow. And they both died in the plane crash uh, over Lockerbie, Scotland. And um, it, it, the, the plane blew up midair and then debris fell everywhere. And his body, body landed like several miles away from uh, Lockerbie in a field in the middle of nowhere. And uh, so that kind of, uh, I was, I guess, uh, 26, I guess when it happened. So, and, like I grew up with this kid. Uh, I I known him since he was twelve years old. Literally, like the three of the, him, my, my other friend Alan and myself were three best friends. Kind of did everything together, and yeah. you know, became uh, we're Christians together. You know, went to Jesus camp together, kind of stuff. And then both became actors together. One became uh, one became a writer, and the other two of us became actors. And yeah. um, and same, we were on the same journey as far as like, yeah, this is this is our life now. Yeah, and he'd been in Superman. Uh, or I think it was his first big deal. Oh, this is a great, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you the story. So this is uh, this is actually this not in the play, but it kind of is in the play. So uh, Paul um, got a gig uh, with in Superman four or something like that. I can't which whatever whatever the one it was. I can't remember. Amazing. And, uh, 
and uh, so he, he got this movie, it was his first real movie, and it came to Hamilton. So um, I got this uh, phone call from uh, Alan. He said, hey, Paul's in, in, we're going to see the, bunch of us going to see the, the thing together, his, his movie, and we're going to surprise him. We're going to phone him in England and say, surprise. And there's like, you know, maybe five or six of us or seven of us are going to come and see it. So we get to the apartment, there's like 30 people there, you know. Like there's this huge party of all of us and there's, we're in this small apartment and we're all meeting there. We're going to have this little chart here and we're going to phone. So we're phoning up and it's like we're going to see the 730 show, whatever it is. So it's like 630 and we're phoning up and then this phone rings and somebody says, by the way, what time is it in, in England? He goes, oh, well, I don't know, about what, one o'clock. Oh, hello. <laughs> it's like one in the morning. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. He goes, oh, hello. Yes. Hello. Oh, it's Paul there. Oh, no, no, yeah, right, sorry, no, sorry, uh, yeah, well, and then they told, well, no, it's a bunch of us friends, uh, we're uh, in Canada, and we're all watching Superman 4, yeah, we were going to surprise him, oh, he's not, okay, uh, do you know where he could be, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll take that note, okay, uh, do you think it's all right, yeah, okay, oh, okay, so, and we, we woke up, like, when we called, like, three or four times, waking up all of Paul's friends in, the, in around <laughs> England, trying to get a hold of this guy to try and surprise him. And, of course, n none of them, like... Those Canadians are assholes. Yeah, 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 we're assholes. We're just waking up people. But everybody else tells us, like, they're groggy, and they go, oh, what a sweet thing to do. Oh, you, oh, that was sweet. Too bad he doesn't know about this. He would have loved that. He would have loved that. All right. I'll chat with you in an hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So anyways, um, so we call all these people, people, and couldn't get a hold of them. And, uh, and then uh, Paul used to be a magician, so he did magic tricks. And that was his thing, like, as a kid, uh, actually 15, 16, he, like, ran away and joined, this, joined the circus <laughs> and joined this magic company and was touring around with this magic company. Like, he just, uh, he just did this stuff. He was just... Oh, um, uh, his like his he was uh, his mom was uh, 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 widowed and he kind of grew up really fast. So, anyways, so he took this magician friend. One of his magician friends came and said, "Oh, okay." He said, "Oh, I, I was going to do a, a magic trick on, on Paul's behalf. Uh, it was supposed to be a phone trick, but oh uh, crap. Okay, but I'll do it for you guys." He said, "Okay." So, he, so Paul's friend goes, "Okay, I'm gonna. I just want you to check my sleeves." And he checked my sleeves. Check my jacket. Is there anything? Okay. And he stood at the doorway. He said, "Okay, I want everybody to count to three. I'm gonna come out." Okay, so he closes the door. We go one, two, three. Opens door, and it's our friend Paul. And Paul goes, "Surprise!" This <laughs> and, is amazing. And we're going. And it was just like there was just like I've never had this moment where it's like, and it was just like dead silence. Like he was surprised, and it was just dead silence. It wasn't like a cheer. It was just wow. This is great. This is great. Anyway, uh-huh <laughs> and then it was like and then the girl screamed a girl screamed another girl started bawling and then we just like started like applauding and just like gave him a standing ovation applauded and just and uh then went crazy like went crazy and then now he yeah. he, he came with you to see the movie and he was yes. like that's, that's me right there so then, then we go to the theater and like we all run and we're really excited and there's like five people in front of us <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah, yeah that's <laughs> this movie you haven't seen superman 4 for that reason nobody saw superman 4 so i think we're there. yeah yeah and then we're there and we're having the time of our lives and just cheering the whole movie it's like the best movie 
of all time. We're cheering the beginning like this. And then finally, Paul comes up and he plays this submarine guy pressing buttons, yeah, launching code. And he goes, you know, so it's a little small, like he has three lines. Right. And it's like this, I go crazy for it. And then the people in front going, do you know him? Oh, it's, it's him, it's him. <laughs> would you guys, would you guys like yeah. an autograph? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so how did, I mean, how did that make it into the play? So uh, that's the kind of magic that Paul was. Like he would do this, that's, if Paul was gonna do magic, that was what it was. And so the play is uh, this bo uh, the body of a young man lands in their field. And it's my friend Paul, basically it's friend Paul, who's dead. And we have this older couple that come and, and, uh, and they find his body in their field and they live in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And they decide to stay with him. And uh, by the end of the play, um, they, she's, the wife just thinks he might be here, soul or spirit might be here. So she talks to him just in case he's still here. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the play, they've kind of fallen in love with this young man who they think he is. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then they take off his wallet. Uh, they want to know his name and they see if pulls the wallet. And his, uh, the, it, uh, my friend's name is Paul Matthew Freeman, the, the Matthew. And the, she opens up and it's Matthew and their son's name is Matthew who disappeared when, when he was 10 years old and he would be about the same age as this boy. And it's sort of this closure for them. You're right. And, and so it was sort of like this magic moment. And I thought if, and Paul, the other story about Paul uh, was um, he had to go to uh, come to Canada. The year before that plane crash, he had to come to Canada and he had no money. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to come home for uh, Christmas because uh, he was desperately <laughs> lonely. And uh, so his roommate, his flatmate said, you know, I'm going to give you my credit card. Why don't you go? Give you a credit card. Go and buy yourself a ticket, and uh, and then just get all your friends to give you money for gifts. <laughs> so so we get so Paul gets goes to the lineup, and he's now in this lineup uh, to get a ticket like a week before Christmas. And in the front of the line, there's this other woman in the front of the line, and she's there with her son, and she's lining up to get a ticket, and he's just chatting with her, and 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 then she, and she's and he goes, "What are you here?" She's only here to get a ticket for my son to go to visit his uh, his in laws and. Um, my husband's best friend's going to take him. So I need to go to the bookroom. So she's sitting there. And by the end of the line, she goes, you know what? I kind of, I'd rather you to take my son than my husband's best friend. <laughs> Can I buy you a ticket? Would that be all right? <laughs> wow. Wow. And she was like, yeah, okay. And I go, he was the kind of person in four minutes could convince a woman to give them her son, <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and you went, yeah, this is, this is Paul. He, he just kind of walked around weird shit like happened to that all the time. Huh. And uh, so I thought that kind of, I thought, well, what happened if he was dead, he would still have this connection. Impact. So I kind of believe that Paul would do that. So the play was really about what would happen, a fantasy of what would happen to him even after he was dead if somebody spent the time to, to get to know him. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. so that's and so, and so now, now your, your play goes all over the world and gets yeah. done by other groups. Um, yeah. you, now as the, the playwright, do yeah. you get the opportunity to go? Do you, do you take it upon yourself? Are they like, we're going to, we're going to pay for you to come over to, you know, Florence and we're going to do yeah. it. You're going to get a, like a, a box with, I guess, it's all the grapes and whatnot. Like, how does this work? Uh, yes and no. Yeah, some of the places they like come and come, come to us. You know, we'll pay, we'll pay for you to come. And other ones, this theater, they have no money, 
And mm -hmm. uh, but uh, uh, Kenna Council Grant actually gives me a grant to see my plays, so I can get a grant. Uh, oh. So I've got a grant to go and see my plays. And if I do go there, they they roll up the red carpet, they put me up in houses, they feed me, they take me drinking, they you know. Um, and, and so that, that when it was in New York, I did that. They, they saw that and got to see that. And um, yeah, I've seen a bunch of the productions and a couple of the others I wish I'd gotten to see, but I thought it was just, I was doing another show at the time. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, so, but it's quite extraordinary to uh, have your work done as a, as um, a playwright, because uh, with, uh, you know, other writing, like a film, if they screw it up, like that's it. But with a play, it's good. Well, somebody else will do it. <laughs> They'll get it. <laughs> like there's a, there's always somebody else out there. And for the most part, theater, they mostly get it right because, um, I mean, it's almost always really, really good. Because um, mm -hmm. you have a director and you have smart, which are usually pretty directors. The, she, the director, she's going to be really smart and the actor's going to be really smart. And between all of them, they figure out. And every so often you get somebody who thinks they know a lot better. And the, the only time I've had bad experiences is the director said, you know, she was an undirectable actor. Mm -hmm. She knew what she, she had something she wanted to say. And it wasn't what the director wanted to say. It wasn't what I wanted to say. Uh, but you should use the words. You know, as those situations happen, you don't. Now, let me, let me just ask, because people might find it interesting, um, just, I suppose, the business side. Um, do you, like, uh, do you do it yourself? Do you have an agent that reaches yeah. out to theater companies and tries to yeah. be like, are you looking for the next thing? This is what I have. Yeah. This is blah, blah, blah. Is that yeah. how, yeah. how it uh, Yes, and both. Both. I have an agent, but I also do my own stuff. So, uh, like, nobody's going to do it like you do yourself. So, I'm um, yeah. always always pitching <laughs> like yeah, yeah. directors hey you know have you seen this new work or do you want to do my new play or something like that so you're always kind of feeling there and every so often you bug people and then you bug people and they go uh, no actually we we know you're working it's it's been on our list for a while yet and then you all of a sudden you get this phone call that somebody you talked to like five years beforehand go yeah we're gonna do it i got Oh good! I'm like, who the hell are you? Oh yeah, we, well yeah, we went for drinks, didn't we? Okay, I went to drinks with you at some festival five years ago, and right, and so you've been spending, and that's kind of like theater, right? You, you, you might have a play you want to do, but you have like dozens of plays you want to do, so you thought, okay, and then you want to make, okay, I want this play because I, 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 I have these two actors I want to work with. Uh, this is a basically two hundred. It's a three hundred because there's the two actors and the and the young boy who's dead, who's also played by an actor. It's not a stuff dummy because even though he doesn't move um i love the conceit of a uh, theater their real body there and she's talking to them people go oh he's gonna talk because <laughs> right. they saw there's three actors in in the program that right. young boy, it, it has, a, has a bio so you go surprise oh, yeah. nope no no <laughs> at some point uh at some point as the, as elsie is talking to the boy you i think the audience goes it becomes really rich to imagine the idea of who he is. You're going, if he talks, it's not going to be as good. I'm liking this. I like him. And, um, and in one sense, I really want to get the audience to think that I'm going to eventually have him speak and not wanting to speak, wanting, I, I hope he's dead. I hope he stays dead, which is the underlying theme of the play. So right. I, um, I really wanted to have that as the meta thing. And I, so I did a lot of things that would make that she does ask him questions and waits for an answer. Like those kinds of things to get to tease that up, to set it up that, oh, okay. Because people know how we're back players were. They go, oh, she thought about answering. He's going to eventually talk. Right. And um, so I, give a, I, get, I did give some sort of ideas that that might happen and try to get the audience to think that was going to happen. And then wanted them to not forget. And that was kind of based on Eugene Onesco's play, The Lesson. If you're familiar with that, um, 
it's a, a two-hander with uh, uh, this woman who goes to this um, professor, and he's going to teach her all knowledge. Uh, and so he, it's a, it's a, it's a absurdist play, but he's going to teach her all knowledge. And it's really, really funny. It goes back and forth. They have one repertoire, and the doctor, uh, the teacher speaks a mile an hour, and just it's very funny. And then all of a sudden, the uh, the student has a toothache. And so all of a sudden, the banter goes back, and she goes, I have a toothache. And it goes, like, toothache. And she starts whining about toothache. And the play for the next five minutes dies. And you're like, this play is okay. <laughs> and you're going, and this, the laughter stops, and the audience goes, What is happening? And all of a sudden, he gets frustrated, and he kills her. <clears throat> he goes, good. Okay, good. Okay, something's happening. <laughs> and he falls over dead. And the nurse comes in, oh, dear, not another one. And you go, oh, this is good now. This is good. And then she puts a Swiss, she goes, oh, this will make you feel better. And then she puts a Swistika, a little, like a sticker, armband. And that's, and he's, does that make you feel better? And uh, and so what what I felt like for me I went <gasps> uh, that happened not because like oh it's Swastika but I desperately wanted her, her to be dead like she was wrecking my play and so right. her killing her was like good she was wrecking my comfort of I was enjoying the play and this fucking actor wrecked my comfort and so uh, I really loved the meta ness of that thing and I went oh, I'm going to do that some way I wanted to get the audience to go you know get slightly out of it because we always dream. And I wanted to use their slipping out of it to, to want him to be dead. And when he is dead, there's part of the brain going. And that the play, the metaphor is the they finally at the end of the very end of the play, uh, Elsie, uh, when she realized this boy is dead, she kind of comes to grip that their son is never coming back home. He disappeared at 10. He is dead. And so this is she's her finally realizing that there's there's because they're stuck on this farm waiting for their son to come back. And there's they're not going to wait anymore. Just, he's dead. So it was kind of a, his, his fault, my friend's death. Well, I like I like it because it, sound, it sounds lovely. And also, like you said, you, you've got your audience almost kind of, they're engaged, but even for any given moment, they're also thinking. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, and, yeah. And, it's, and it's a comedy. Mm. Oh, is that like, right? Okay. It doesn't sound like it. No, but no. no it, let me tell you something. It doesn't yeah. sound funny at it all. Sound funny at all? No, no, it's not. But throughout, I mean, there's like it starts off funny, and then there's like this horrible thing, and then it gets funny again. Because what she says, she's a very funny character, and so she talks to the boy, and what she says is funny. She's all funny stories, and so it's not a comedy comedy, but it's a it's a it's a darker comedy with a lot of humor, a lot of humor in it. I mean, it starts off you're laughing for the first two minutes of the play which is uh, when I did research, I found out that the explosion happened and it took two and a half minutes for the debris to fall. So the play starts off with explosion and the husband comes out and he's going, hmm. And then they come out and they're looking at it because the, there's this the, part of right. the few starts was slowly burning and falling. And they're looking at this thing and wondering what's, what could be falling that slow because it's not a shooting star or an asteroid or right, a right. meteorite. And, um, and so she thinks that. He goes, no, no, it's moving. So it's probably a weather balloon. You know, they're always... Up, you know, something like that, or satellite. It could be a satellite. You know, so he's trying to think what it is, and then eventually, so and they banter back and forth, and it's actually the whole play starts with a dog barking because of the sound of the explosion, buff, buff, and the husband comes out and goes, and you hear, buff, 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 and he goes, and the 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 uh, Harold uh, comes out and starts barking, and the buff, buff, and they bark back and forth, like he goes, buff, buff, and the dog goes, buff, 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 and he's like. He's a person who barks at his dog and gets their dog to bark yeah. back. And it's just this funny, small, tiny moment. Um, but I wanted the audience to chuckle 
And then they said a couple of things and laugh, laugh, laugh. But I really, really wanted to do is him talking to the board uh, dog uh, because when the boy comes in, he never talks to him. And right. so I wanted to set it up beforehand. He's the kind of guy who would bark at a dog for fun, but could not engage this boy. Right. At that level. So he wasn't like, it was not like he wasn't a shit. He was this funny guy and silly guy, but he couldn't go there. And, uh, and the audience doesn't think that, but they, 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 they knew who, you, like, you introduce a character, which is, comes to my writing, you introduce right. a character, and you want to introduce the character and tell something really poignant about them without letting us know. So I think the most poignant thing you can go, this guy is a funny guy, he's not too self-conscious, he can do silly things, and when mm -hmm. he does it, you don't, you, yeah, and I'm not going to change that, this, when this boy laughs, all of that's going to stop. It's, uh, it's like a, a, a pretty common, um, a script uh, concept as well to make the first line that a character says, yeah, tell the audience something about who they are, yeah, yeah, uh, in some way. So you know, yeah. as as you're introducing each character, you get like a little sense of who that, that yeah, that man or woman is or whatever. Yeah. Um. Now, so you've uh, now I also noticed that uh, uh, you have a a you you play a priest. In a, I do uh, in transference, transference. Yeah, transference. So I, maybe we could talk a little bit about that. But what I want to under, what I want to, what I'd love to hear is, right. do you, do you have a favorite medium, or do you like how do you plan your artistic life? Right. You know, you, right. it seems like you know you're like I, I'm, I'm getting really interested in this, and I'm gonna dive into this yeah. particular thing, and then do you sp try to sprinkle the 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 writing in and um, and the and the one other thing that I'm really interested to hear about, and maybe you can kind of sprinkle it in, is um, you have been an artist in residence, right? Yeah, um, and and I think that a lot of people, number one, don't really know what that is. Okay, and and for some people, um, they hear it, but it's it's so out of the realm of what they think is possible. Okay, you know, how t talk a little bit about how someone becomes one and what it's like okay uh, you know and and maybe just f maybe focus on your piece but you yeah. know you do hear about it from time to time and i think it's really interesting you know yeah i mean there's different kinds of residencies but i'll, I'll talk about the kinds of residencies well, that I've done. You, know, yeah. you know the one interesting thing i i i think it was i want to say four or five months ago i was reading a poem and it really uh, it eludes me now because my memory is pretty shit um but what i loved about it was i read this poem and then it was like um this person has become was awarded like canada's poet laureate or poet in residence and they get xyz for being yeah. canada's poet this year congratulations yeah. you're the man girl or whatever you know yeah. and and so like when people hear about this stuff you're like wow like this is a crazy honor. Like what happens with this and what is it like? So yeah. maybe you can tell us a little bit about what it's like from, yeah. from your perspective. Yeah, I've done a couple of residencies, uh, three of them. And um, I think, I'm gonna say three for now. I think it'll probably come up another one. So I did one at the um, the Blythe Festival, uh, which is a theater festival in uh, Blythe, Ontario. And that was, uh, I think with the Playwrights Guild and the probably Canada Council and the Ontario Council. And I got a month of being at the festival, they pay me uh, what would be equivalent of a salary. And then I have a use of a space there. Uh, I get to interact with the actors. I get to play with actors. I have a director who can play with, and I just hang out. And uh, so they basically find an artist and they go, okay, you've got a month, we're paying you. 
and do something. I said, do something. And so you just do something, something. And so I was there and I was just starting to hang around. And then the, the um, artistic director said, yeah, we've got some interesting people you want to talk to. What are you thinking of doing? I go, I don't know yet. I'm thinking like this. And he said, well, there's this couple and they're archivists. And uh, so they're like amateur archivists. So they have taken the archives of Vive town and have created their own. So I go and they live a, a sh above a store, like Blythe is like a one street town with one traffic light. Mm -hmm. And they have a little storefront and they're living in an apartment above a storefront, you know, tiny little two bedroom apartment. And I go in their living room and the living room is stacked with uh, uh, binders, thousands and thousands of binders. And it's all archived like deaths, births, uh, anything, all this information about Blythe. Mm -hmm. And she goes, so, what do you want to know about Blythe? <laughs> I, go, <laughs> I go, wow. So uh, tell me about interesting people. And they go, well, well. And they told me a bunch of them. They go, oh, and then Pearl. Yes, Pearl Gidley. I go, Pearl Gidley. I said, I like it already. I like it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you hear that name go. It, it can, okay, if it can only, yeah, it's already good. So she can only disappoint me at this point. And, and so Pearl, the story I heard at the time was Pearl Gidley was this, concept pianist that lived in in Blythe and then she had sort of this breakdown and uh, she had this piano in the house and she didn't like she uh, she was engaged when in like when she was 20 years old and she was supposed to marry this very famous composer in Toronto and she was this like concert pianist and he had written the music for their uh for their wedding, the procession. She was gonna go at the church, play the procession rather than walk her down. And then everybody was gonna come and she was gonna play and then get up. And so she got a telegram the morning of from him said, sorry, can't go through with it heading west. And then she just ran off like in her wedding dress. They couldn't like just ran out. And then they started looking for her. They went to the river, wondered if she trying to drown herself. They finally found her in the church playing the music and sobbing. And then she never played again. Blatant played it again until 40 years later in the 60s late 60s all of a sudden she had a, a rooming house with her sister and she was starting to play again with these hippies and i went wow wow what was the story that's, that's, that's crazy that's crazy and i go no, this you, know, is the story. You, you can only do that sort of um deep dive yeah in exactly. life, in in yeah, that's right. that, you can't do that in toronto or yeah. you know it's, it's impossible it's possible that's, and so that, that's the story. And then it's really interesting happened. I said, I like the story. I just don't like hippies. You know, <laughs> like I mean, I like hippies. Like I'm probably a hippie, but um, uh, but I uh, yeah, you know, I don't I don't love the stereotype. And then um, it says, well, there's another guy you can talk to. And I go, okay, he wants to talk to you. And uh, and it was this uh, Mennonite guy, and he was this um, he was a deserter from the U.S. Army. Yeah, and, mm. uh, and he was a conscientious objector. And he, uh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, uh, the guy that um, embalmed himself, like burned himself in front of the uh, states of steps in Washington, in Frank, in front of Frank McNamara's uh, office, uh, who was the war, uh, Vietnam War guy, was a Mennonite, and Whoa. so he was thinking, uh, do I do I embalm myself? Do I burn myself as a protest? And 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 he was so like ang uh, like damaged uh, about this and came to Canada and became a farmer. And I go, fuck! It's the guy that she's gonna meet is a, is a deserter. And at that time, uh, this was just about ten years ago. We were hearing about the Iraq War, and there were deserters from the U.S. Army into Canada. Mm -hmm. I and, met one, uh, oh, and they were trying to send them back, right? 
Yeah. And there was well, he was hiding. Okay. He yes. Was, okay. He, he, was, uh, okay. he was a, uh, a a bartender working under the table at a bar oh. in Toronto. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. But the, there was three or three others, or three or four others in Canada that uh, Harper uh, was uh, trying to uh, kick out of Canada. And as I did research, I went back in, in, in the sixties. There was a bunch. I said there were like a couple of thousand. So I did res research. 200,000, 200,000. That's a, that's a big portion of our um, population here. That is a huge population. And Canada just went, sure. <laughs> you know, this is, this is Trudeau. Trudeau says, uh, the status of an American, uh, the military status of American coming across into Canada is none of our business. Hmm. And so all of a sudden they just came in they were, so some of uh, the draft, uh, the draft Dodgers could come in. Uh, the deserters was a different thing. You had to kind of sneak in. Deserters couldn't come across the border because uh, uh, um, that, that we did have a rule about deserters in Canada, but uh, but it was still not. We weren't sending them back, but we could. And now, what did you you took this and yeah. you? I turned this into a a a, 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 two, a, a, a play about this deserter who comes to stay with the women, and she he is the reason that she she hasn't played for plays forever, again, and she plays again. That's lovely. Uh, yeah. And uh, so that's the play is her healing, him healing. Because, um, and uh, this, is, this is my one of my favorite writing stories. So I work, I, uh, my director was um, Miles Potter, uh, who's Stratford Festival. He's probably kind of one of Canada's top directors. A lot of people have Miles Potter as their, like, one of my actor, writer friends said, you know, Miles Potter is probably my favorite director. Like, yeah, amazing. amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Love him to pieces. Great, great guy. And uh, so we're working together and he's like my dramaturg. Like uh, sometimes you have a dramaturg is sort of like an editor for a book, a dramaturg is for a play. And sometimes they have dramaturgs, so it's just like you have a dramaturg, you have a director and writer. And Miles likes being a dramaturg. And that's my default. Uh, if I'm kind of a dramaturg who's gonna work with me sculpting a play, I'd rather be a director rather than a dramaturg who's literary. He's, I'd rather yeah. be a director who knows actors. He's gonna be actors. Right. Anyways, so he's the my first. He's thinking. Is, he's not only thinking about the script, but he's also thinking about how he's going to pull it off and, and on stage, or, yeah. or what or what small changes you would make to make it easier or bet you know yeah yeah what actors cool. can do what they can't do. Yeah. So this is my one of my meetings with him, and uh, we we met we kept we met in Stratford because that was our meeting ground for both of us. He, his wife works at uh, Stratford, um, and um, so anyways, we're we're, we're 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 he's at a, a booth. I come in, I'm sitting down. He says, "Yeah, just a minute, Gary." And he was like, and he's writing, he's, he's on his computer, like, fuck. Fuck. <sighs> Sorry. I was just, that was just a letter to a, a, a letter to another writer. I, I just, <laughs> he said, I, I was, it was brutal. I just hate, I hate that. And it's like, I just hate that. I go, oh, Jesus, Miles, you, you can't, you cannot fucking do that with me, man. You cannot do that. Just send it to me. I'm a big boy. I don't, don't question it. Don't worry about it. Just say whatever the hell you want. I do not care. I am not care. I don't know. I don't care all, but you cannot possibly hurt me. It's, I'm really scared of an audience who's just spent, spent 50, 100 bucks for a couple pairs of tickets and driven in here. They've spent the day off. They got the babysitter. They've done this. They've been looking forward to this. I do not want to piss them off. And there's hundreds of them who are going to sit there going, really? They're the ones I'm scared of. Well, right. here's the thing. You, yeah. you know what? You want to put forth the best thing. Mm. You want to make people happy. 
This yeah. is the point. Maybe you want to make them sad, but in if you want to make them sad, it's only because you kind of want to make them happy, right? Yeah. You want them to be engaged in your thing. Um, Adrian and I were talking to a, a good friend of ours a couple days ago, and he read a draft, our first draft of a new script that we're working on. And he was like, okay, don't take offense. We're like, don't worry, hit us. Yeah. He was like, I don't love any of your characters enough to care if they die. And we're like, oh, okay, okay. There's, there's work to be done. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, this is so heartbreaking, but it's okay. We're, yes, we're yeah. back at it, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, thank God for him, because wait till the, if he said, you know, it's pretty good, you have an audience going. Oh, yeah. 100%. That sound, that Look, sound of an audience not giving a shit. Yeah. Is horrible. Yeah. No, you need people you trust. Yeah. Yeah. You need people you trust and you need yeah. people that will tell you. Oh. But then eventually, uh then once you're happy and yeah. you've done your yeah. best, then just go for it. You don't have to you know, write it so many times that you never make the thing. But So uh, how long from the time they told he told you it kind of it, it sucks him <laughs> to to you go, yeah. It does. How long did that like? No, I I still like it, but I'm gonna yeah, fix. No, no, gonna right. fix yeah, yeah. No, so no. And here's the thing. Th this was this was basically draft one. So right. it's yeah. uh it's got a lot of work to go, anyways. But but you, um, you did, did that did that did that encourage you to write better? Like all of a sudden you go. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Well, it's in it's interesting because uh my son also read it, and his comment wasn't the same. Right. His comment was. I wish that uh, some of the characters interacted more with each other so that you could get a better understanding of the relationships between more of the individual pairs of characters. And I was like, interesting. Um, you know, and again, when, when uh, you know, if I read the script, I'm happy. Right. But hearing other people's thoughts, I'm like, okay, I see what you're saying, and I don't yeah. disagree. And it's time to make it better, right? And yeah, and yeah. to to work through it. So yeah, uh, you know what? Script writing, playwriting. I mean, playwriting is fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Adrian wrote um, and directed Bickerman's Grove, which was oh, yeah. our second feature, and he wrote that like a play. Right. And when we filmed it, we filmed it kind of like a play, okay. even even though it was in. <clears throat> Uh, it was at like a crossroads. There was two houses and we were inside the houses. We weren't on a stage, but it's filmed very much like a stage. Like there's a, there's a scene where, you know, um, one guy is, you know, there's, there's some people that are hiding behind a bush and one guy's crossing. And then as soon as he gets to a certain point, the people that are hiding behind the bush kind of run across the street. And then, and then as everybody leaves, these two characters come from each house and they, link hands and they walk out into the you know sunset sort of thing so it's it's got that feel like it's been choreographed properly yeah. you know i mean sort of like knives uh, out knives out had a very look like yes a like a, yes i loved i loved knives out. i yeah. thought it was great yeah. yeah and it had that theatricality that you go it's so much based on people room people in, this, in the room saying stuff you know mm -hmm. and if it's well done it's fabulous you know i was i loved it a lot I loved it a lot. I haven't seen it a second time yet. The one other thing I thought was really nice was it was very colorful. Yeah. Um, like the colors were very vibrant for a movie yeah. that didn't really need it. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw it in the theater and I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah. So, so it, now I, I just, let me just pull you back and ask you, you know, 
of the art forms, do you have something that is kind of like your your fave? I know you you do call yourself an installation artist, uh, which I think is is pretty great. But like, what you know, what what if you could just focus on one thing? Would you, or do you yeah. not like to do that? I, I don't like to do that, so I don't have to do that, and so I don't like to. Uh, yeah, I kind of like doing a bunch of things uh, mm -hmm. as an artist. It keeps informing me through different format formats. Uh, script writing is the the thing I do the best, and that includes like, you know, and I would, I do, would do more screenwriting if, uh, if, if I could, but uh, I get, I get the gigs from, um, from theater, and uh, I, I have scripts that I'm, I'm trying to sell to, you know, film stuff. I've done the pitching. I've, I've been optioned the whole nine yards, and um, and you go, eh, yeah, like I did the door like when Miramax, uh, I got uh, Miramax. Uh, I was on the weekend read at weekend read at Miramax for one of my scripts. So I got uh, this producer called me up and said, you're on the weekend weekend read. And they gave me a phone number of a, a LA lawyer. And I called him up and I said, what do I, do I need an agent, like an LA agent? He said, you're on the weekend read of, uh, if you're on the weekend read of Max, you just need a lawyer. <laughs> I went, okay. Because <laughs> an agent's going to take money. You're already in the, you're, right. you're not on the door. You said, you're not you in the door. You're not in the door. You're in the fucking room. I went, okay, okay. He said, um, and that, so that was like nice. And so I did the dance show. I think, okay. So I was like already figuring about my third future at that point. And then that just sort of like fizzled away. And uh, and uh, and and then you know it's it's I've been optioned a bunch of times to my scripts been optioned and and you go okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and I'm I'm, I'm it's, I mean this is all feature films LA stuff you know um, and I thought, okay and then uh, and then I I have one of my friends who's a filmmaker he's done some stuff at um, um, he was featured at uh, TIFF and stuff like that and so I thought okay I have a script uh, parochially I said that's yours you want to do it you know. I like you a lot as a director and it's going to be a small independent. It's going to be a million dollar future. You know, I'm not going to, yeah, let's, let's get it done. And so that's my new thing. It's like, I just want to get something in, in that, in that future work yeah. on world. Um, yeah. uh, and I still work on scripts. I work on, I'm working on this, like screenplays. I'm still working on television series, uh, you know, but, 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 but I don't, I'm not holding my breath for any of that, you know, and uh, you know, and um yeah, I do. I get the meetings done. I do get that happen, and uh, I go, okay, okay, nothing, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's it is. It's kind of like a sad feeling when you get optioned and then you get your property back. You're like, mm. uh, you know, yeah. I wish it would have done something. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and that, and that ten page, uh, that and that ten page, that the ten page contract. You're going, tell like. They're talking about t-shirts and all that kind of shit and, and all that. T-shirts and memorabilia? Okay, sure. I don't think this movie is going to have... I don't think anybody's going to have a t-shirt about Pro Goodly, but okay. <laughs> hey, you never know. Hey, you never know. But uh, it's, it's it's a standard shit, lad. But, but, you just uh, see a t-shirt that says, like, uh, I, I made it out of the States. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. But theater keeps on playing, and I do a lot of work with the Empty Space, which is another local company in Kitchener, and that's done collaborative. We do collaborative creation. That's and that's we we uh, come into the rehearsal hall, and uh, we have like five act, six actors, director, myself as the writer, and we create together. And I'm just in the room as a writer. I'm in the room. I don't write the play. Uh, we all create it together. I'm like if there's seven of us in the room, one seventh of it is mine. A lot of the text is mine, but not a lot that's it's right. still there you're like the you're like the curator of what's going on 
Yeah, the curator of the text, and, right. and that's that's usually what you said. I said you said that. I said this is what I wrote, and sometimes I write something. And I said you miss, you spoke, you said this rather than that. I like what you said better. Keep on saying it that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I said no, no, no. I said sound better. You know, because you said that way, and and uh, so and and I'm confident in writing. And the last version of that, I'm the favorite in the room. We had a stage manager who's like monitoring everything, keeping notes, and she was really a fast typer. And I was looking at notes and she was just writing what people said in rehearsal. I go, do you want to keep on doing that? So then I was doing this and she was doing that. And we had a, like a Google Doc in front of yeah. us. And she was looking at it and I was there and I would just like, all of a sudden she would put that and I put a little highlighter on something and highlight something as it was going by. And I'd yeah. go back and tweak it. And so I was actually just watching them and she was watching, she was writing it. So she technically, stage manager, wrote the play. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Wrote what they said and put together, and I and but uh, and uh, and when I teach playwriting, I go, you know, I might have written the words, but that's really not the play. Uh, the play is the bodies and stage, the actors, and because ninety percent of it, if you're doing your job well with a really good story, it, the text can be interchangeable. So much of that can be interchangeable. So you have to have a really good ear for dialogue, and it's going to be funny. Um, but uh, you know, I, I I learned a lot. Well, you're 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 building the world, though. Yeah. Yeah, you know? the building the world is way, way more important than what you freaking say. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what I really found about working with a physical theater company, um, there's this one of our uh, first uh, piece called Last 15 Seconds. That's the one that uh, we've traveled around the world with it. Um, it's gone everywhere. And uh, um, so uh, in that play, it's part of it is in Arabic. And there's this one scene. It's about the uh, um, Mustafa Akkad, who is the... Um, he was the director of, um, he was the creator of the Halloween franchise. You know, the Halloween okay. franchise? Yeah. Halloween 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. He was the producer for that. Would you believe I have not seen a single one? Oh, wow. I've only I seen know. one. I have I'm, not, I'm not like a horror guy. Like, I have okay. seen, I've seen a Jason, I've seen yeah. a Freddy, but I've yeah. just, like, I haven't watched. Yeah. That's just not my uh, my thing. Not mine either. So I, I watched one because I had to. And uh, like I wanted to do a bit of research. And uh, so he did the Halloween franchise, and he happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time in the Mount Jordan, and there were some ho- hotel bombings, and he was killed. And so our play is about his death and him confronting his, uh, the murder. And uh, Mustafa Kad was this devout Muslim. He, had, he created this film called uh, Line in the Desert with Anthony Quinn, which is a, a freedom fighter, Omar Maktad, who fought against Mussolini in the desert. He was the guy that kept the, the Italians and the Nazis stuck in the desert fighting uh, a thousand Lib- uh, um, Libyans, uh, 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 20,000, 30,000 soldiers fighting a thousand Libyans. They were in the these, desert, they pop up and dump down. It. And these, are the be- these are the best, these are the stories that people love. Oh yeah, know, exactly. For sure, and, yeah. few against and, many, yeah. And so his, his, that was it. And he did this one about um, the Prophet Muhammad that was played in the States. and. Uh, that was huge in the States in the, in the 70s and uh, was part of the resurgence of the Black Muslim movement in the States. So Muhammad Ali saw that film as, you know, all these people had seen that film. And Muhammad, one of his disciples, was um, a Black uh, slave that he freed. So mm-hmm. in the middle of the uh, uh, race riots, they said, you know, Christianity is repressing us, but Islam is, is freeing our slaves. So mm-hmm. that was the big reason why uh, Islam of Islam and all that stuff that happened in the states was part of the um, anti uh, black, uh, the pro uh, pro black movement and the anti racist movement. Mm-hmm. He killed. Uh, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and died. And so, anyways, 
in that play, one of the actors is, uh, two of the actors were Arabic. And this is one scene where the woman playing Mustafa Khad's mother is like, he comes home and she's so had to see him. And it's actually his after's death. He's come up, it's kind of, his, it's his coming home after being away from Hollywood, but also his death, you know, right. we ha- simultaneously ha- happening. And so she's, and she's speaking Arabic. And, and then she has this kind of very angry talk about enough, enough, enough. Uh, in Arabic, and it's it's this beautiful moment, and audiences are bawling and crying, and we're crying, and we're watching that. And so we did this. There was this chunk of it in Arabic, and then this play ends. And so we're having this talk back, and this must have been our fiftieth show. We've been touring around, uh, although I, I, we were someplace in the states, or uh, I mean, someplace out west, I think. And, okay. somebody, and somebody asked us, "So what was that Arabic meaning?" And then uh, everybody turned to, uh, to to the actor who was playing. She wasn't on stage yet, and they all looked at me, and they go. Um, uh, she gave me the text in Arabic, and I, I don't know. Does anybody know what she says? None of us guys. <laughs> Even the actor, us like actor playing with her, played Mustafa Khan. No, uh, no, I don't think I. Did anybody ask? No, none of us asked her what she said. You know, Never, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you a little secret. Yeah. Gibberish. Gibberish. Yeah, gibberish. Yeah. None of us. She's a, she's an improv. Uh, it sounded it sounded, it sounded beautiful. We all cried. Yeah. Every time we heard it, we cried. And honestly, I realized. I, I honestly never thought to ask her. I knew what it meant inside. I knew what it meant inside. I never thought to ask her. Wow. And I said, well, it's, it's about, she's saying, this is it. This is enough. This needs to stop. And, and then she came back. She, what is it? She says, wake up, wake up, Arabs, Arabs, wake up, wake up, Arabs, wake up, wake up. And I go, yeah, that's all we all heard. That We heard versions of that. And yeah. we heard the subtext of what she's saying. This is enough. We need to, yeah. we need to wow. move on. And um, it was, I, I went, well, I, the fact that you don't know, you don't, you don't know that you didn't understand it. Like that was, it was, it was That's a powerful. Fact. Yeah. And yeah. I thought really good movies. Uh, you, if it, you do your job well, you do your setup scene, nobody needs to know what you're saying. Mm. You can shut the sound up with the, you know, the Hitchcock, the famous Hitchcock thing. You can shut off the sound with Hitchcock and you don't need it. You're not going to miss a thing. Mm-hmm. All you're going to miss is the, uh, the uh, MacGuffin, <laughs> which doesn't matter anyways. <laughs> well, let me let me let me ask you this: it's something that we love to ask all, right. all of our guests. It's a little yeah. fun. It's uh, you know, and and you as uh, someone who worked in a video store, this speaks yeah. speaks to my heart. That was one of my my absolute faves was going and picking out the VHS that you would watch um, every weekend or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we like to ask people. If you had to take three movies to the desert island to watch again and again, these are your guilty pleasures, not the best movies. Okay. Not your favorite movies because sometimes your favorite, you can't watch it every day in a week. What are some of your guilty pleasures that you love and you can watch again and again? Let's get, Uh, let's try to give us three of those. Okay. Um, uh, Lord of the, uh, Lord of the Rings. The three of them. I could just watch it. Like, this is Zach Parsons. Do you know? Do you know Zach Parsons? Yeah, I know Zach. Yeah, I worked with Zach quite a few times. We 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 asked Zach, and he goes, "Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the Ring, <laughs> Two Towers, Lord." <laughs> I'm I'm Clash of Trilogy is one film, so they split up for economic reasons. I watch fair enough, all, fair enough. I watch them all together. They, I I don't care because there's six books in the in the books anyway. So the, the books are the books are actually six books. All right, um, give it something else. Uh, uh, what is it? Jeez, um, you know if it's on, I always have to watch it with uh, Field of Dreams. Oh man, good one. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. My sons have still not seen Field of Dreams. Oh really? Uh, okay. Yeah. It's uh yeah. It's gotta be it's gotta be on the list. Yeah. So I could watch that a bunch of times. Uh gosh. You know, it's, it's it'll change every day too. Like like if you ask me tomorrow it'll be different. But uh and Emily, I just love Emily. You know what? That's one of Adrian's favorites and I have it. I've never seen it. Oh. Um and it's sits on my shelf. Oh, and yeah. uh stupidly I keep yeah, I just keep put. I I don't know why. I don't know why I keep pushing it off. Maybe it's just I'm not uh, not in the mood for something new. Maybe I'm not okay. sure if that that doesn't make sense. But uh, anyways, and, well, and I, you missed the boat on that one. You missed the boat on that one because it's so being co so copied. But when it first came out, that right? It was just it. You had never seen anything quite like it, and that was kind of been done. Like like this the the fast edit and all that stuff. You go yeah, yeah okay. But when you first did it, you went it's just taking me on a roller coaster here. And it's 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 funny it's funny i i have so many movies that i yeah. own that i have not seen yeah. and uh you know i'm i've been going through a project where i slowly with my family we watch all my old vhs tapes one at a oh, time okay great and then once i'm done i i put them in a box and a good friend of mine we actually recently just dropped off a box of 90 vhs tapes to him in toronto and he was just he kept texting we we had left and uh and uh he just kept texting me. Oh my God, this movie. Oh my God. This, I can't believe. Oh, this one and this one. Oh, I can't believe it. And so, uh, yeah, we, we, but it's fun because number one classics, just yeah. so many classics. And number two, sometimes I've just had them and have never seen them. Oh, and really? so you just, you watch these old classics that you've never seen before. Uh, and even, you know, I just watched them. Um, Little Miss Sunshine. I don't know if you saw oh, yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. but I just saw that for the first time. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, a couple months ago. So it's, you know what? There's so much content in the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you watch so much stuff. You watch so much TV, so many movies. I do. I, I so try to soak it all in, you know, yeah. but uh, still there's so many great things out there. So I love getting recommend. I love hearing what yeah. other people love. Okay. Um, so that way I get little, uh, you know, Tips and, oh, and okay. Some like it hot. Oh, I gotta put some like it hot back on that list. Okay, I've got something has to go off. Some like it hot got on that list. Have you well, seen you, I haven't. Is this Marilyn Monroe? Yes, it is. It's yeah. Billy Wilder. Billy Wilder. I think. Uh, that. Yes. Is this? Is this? Um. Just. Is this Diamonds Are Girls' Best Friend? Uh, no, no, no. That's uh, that's Diamonds Are Girls' Best Friend. I think that's okay. The one. Fair enough. I, my, I, I think my wife was watching that one and some like it hot, and I did catch a little piece of it, but I have not seen the whole thing. So, so Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon are dressed up as women musicians in an all-girl course because they're running away from the mob in Chicago because they witnessed the Valentine Day massacre. Okay, and it's it's Billy Wilder at his best. It's very fast. And it's still funny. And it's got the best last line of any film ever written. The last line is the funniest line ever. Just just hit me. Uh, nobody's perfect. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. And well, doesn't, it's not a funny line. Like, it's kind of like, but the context and the delivery. The context of where it, of, it came of, in. And that was actually, that was Billy Wilder's, like, that's the line we're going to put in now until we find a better line. And then the actor hit it out of the park. Hmm. And he that's went, ah, oh, that's it. It is that line. And it is the best line ever. They thought, okay, what will be a better line? There's got to be something better than that. That's just too there. But it was just there. Now, Pete, it, it, 
if people want to follow along with you, Gary, on your adventures, is yeah. Facebook the best for you? Yeah, I'm, you have- I'm, I'm Facebookable, and I, I do, that's how I post all my stuff and my late, yeah. latest adventures. You, you are a voracious Facebooker. Yeah, I'm pretty, I pretty post. I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, yeah, I'm pretty post whatever I'm doing next is there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, amazing. Now, can you give us a little, tell us a little something. Give us a little, uh, a little something. What's next for you? Okay, uh, I'm working like four projects right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> like this is my life. But, yes. uh, so uh, I'll tell you one really interesting one that has a sort of Kitchener, I mean, not a sort of a big Kitchener thing. Uh, several years ago, I was commissioned uh, by the Women's Crisis Services um, Center. Uh, to, to, uh, I've worked with them before. I've done a couple of videos with my uh, uh, one of my partners I worked with, which is Dwight Storing. He's a local uh, documentary filmmaker, writer. And so Dwight and I worked together a bunch of times and they said, we love you videos. And they said, Gary, you, you know, you do a play. And Dwight's like, Dwight's written short uh, one-act plays. He's a writer, okay. and, but he's a documentary filmmaker. So, and I said, yeah. I said, she said, we, could you write a play about domestic abuse? And I thought, there's no way I can write a play about domestic abuse. But I said, but, you know, interesting. I've been wanting to do a verbatim play. And verbatim play is uh, basically a documentary play where you do interviews and the play is just what these interviewees say I said, I could do a, ver- a documentary play. So we would interview women who have been in the abusive situations and the play would be just their text. And right. I said, well, what is a really powerful way of doing that is actually doing that as a reading piece. So you have community members, you have the mayor, you have the chief of police, you have all these community members reading this text. And it's a very powerful story and we'll assemble it like a play. Yeah. So we had a bunch of women who were abused. And in the middle of all that, while we're working on that, we're at the women's crisis services and and they're being, they're saying oh they've been so troubling watching uh the the trial at the time was the denise bordeaux murder trial she was the indigenous woman that was murdered by her boyfriend and she was done by the grand river and there was a murder trial about six years ago five years ago mm-hmm. and the, the middle murder trial was uh, happening in the middle of all that and uh, I, said, the, I said you know it's interesting i said there's this kid i used to teach and he's he's uh, been posting about that every day he must be connected i'll i'll, connect, I'll reach out to him so I came up to this kid named Zach. I said, what's your connection to the crisis services? And he says, oh, um, that's my aunt. And I'm the spokesperson for the family, for the press. Right. And I told him we're doing this page about domestic abuse. Do you want to talk to us? And he said, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. Okay, so we're, we're doing interviews right now. What about tomorrow? I said, uh, four o'clock. He says, no, no, the trial ends at 4.30 and I have to talk to the press. How about five? I went, okay. okay. So he came. And I said, uh, he said, oh, gosh, I was just sat there. They, he was just like trying to get out of his head. And I said, right. oh, tell me about your aunt. And an hour and a half later, he told his whole story. He says, okay, that's it. And we're like, like drained. And, um, and then the, the trial went on. And uh, basically in the, in the murder trial, um, the, they had to go to trial. They knew who did it, but they had no proof. Basically, her body was found by the Grand River, but it, it was found like three months later. So there wasn't enough evidence, like animals got to it. So they didn't mm-hmm. know how she died, let alone who did it. So, but they kind of knew he did. They, they all knew he did it, but they just couldn't prove it. And in, in, in the middle of the, just before the trial happens, uh, Denise Bordeaux's mother found a letter that she had sent to her, her that she had written to her boyfriend, telling him that she was going to leave him because the abuse had been bad. And she said, I know you said if I ever left you, you would kill me and dump my body when nobody will ever find me. That mm-hmm. was in the letter. And that was read at the trial. And then the, wow. family gave, the family gave us the letter and said, would you like to have that? So we have an indigenous woman in the play reading that. 
and the murder trial and then he eventually got child so that becomes part of the play and that was like the huge part of it and then the uh the missing so we're gonna so we're going to cry and so i did that play and so i did that play and it was a bunch of times and then a bunch of people asked us if if we could do that and uh, again well this was for a fundraiser so we i said we talked to the women's crisis and said people want to do that and i said i I, i'll be happy to do it but i would just won't take any royalties from it and then they'll do it for a fundraiser and then when i was in tunisia i was talking to this artist there and i told her this plan she said i'd like to do an arabic version of that and then we became really good friends and so we started mm-hmm. talking back and forth and now this crisis you know everything shut down so zooming we've been zooming for the last uh, six months and uh, she said i'm going to do arabic like i'm not i'm not going to translate it. i'm actually into my own women and she said i'd like to do it in another country and then i was being interviewed on a zoom meeting like this uh, mm-hmm. from the company in Mexico. They were talking about what artists are doing around the world. And afterwards, uh, I, I talked about this woman I was doing this piece about domestic abuse and what we're going to do English and, a, and um, an English part of it and an Arabic part of it. And we're looking for another partner. And she said, uh, afterwards, I want to be the other partner. Right. And so we have the three of them, Giselle, A.M., myself, uh, where three of us are working about domestic abuse. So I've already had my core. And my play was originally 12 characters with white, uh, our play was 12, and now we're just having the, the murder trials we're all we're dealing with, and then they're doing their piece as well. Mm-hmm. And then we hopefully bring it out to Canada, and uh, we're talking about taking it to Turkey and Russia. Wow, amazing! Uh, so, that's very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah, so that's, 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 you, you live, you live in, in a, a, a very interesting, I don't know, it, oh, it seems wonderful, a very <laughs> interesting. Uh, life of a, a, a of a of a cultured and and uh, and world traveling artist, and uh, so I, I really appreciate you being on the show and sharing I, kind okay. of some of your history, yeah. some like some. a like a just like a taste. Um, so you know, I, I hope that people um, hunt you down on Facebook. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some links to some of your stuff in the show notes uh, when it goes up on the site, and uh, and uh, yeah, I just hope people continue to support you, but support the arts and, and all this great stuff that's happening. In, it's in a great city. Kitchen. We have such a vibrant art. I mean, like, like what we're doing, like there's so many of us who just kind of bang into each other and go, yeah, we should work. We should do something. This is it. This is yeah. it. This is it. Hey, and, hey. Yeah. yeah, we should do something, Jay. <laughs> yeah. you know, I have something. We, I'm gonna pitch. After the show, I'm going to pitch something to you. All right. It was amazing. All yeah. right. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, I hope you enjoyed. Um, and uh, as always, I, I don't know who we're going to talk to next week. Next week's a mystery, um, but we will see. And if we don't have a special guest, then we're going to give you guys a quick update on how everything is going with Shifted and um, our, our horror feature that's in post-production right now. Um, but until then, uh, dream big and work hard. Thank you, everybody. Really hope you enjoyed the show. Wherever you watched or listened, please leave us a comment or a review. We really want to hear from you. Share the show with a friend. You know they'll love us. Head over to our website, thefableforest.com. There's all kinds of great stuff. Poke around. Check it out. See you all again in a couple weeks.